Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Bali. Uh, this is Carolyn April. As you know, Seth, I'm looking for you out there. Hey, I'm here. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. We've been holding down the fort while you were on vacation this week. I know, yeah. Yeah, I hope you had a good time. It was good. Yeah, quick. You know, we left on Saturday and back on Wednesday, so that's uh, not a ton of time, but it was enough. And um, and so now I'm back and trying to trying to make sure that my head is screwed on straight. I understand that. So if I, if I start rambling and wandering <laughs> down the road on this one, you can just reel me back in. Yeah, we'll excuse you for post, post-vacation letdown uh, or whatever, uh, brain you. functioning, not <laughs> at full force. I get it. I totally get it. So um, next week is the 20th anniversary of the Channel Partners event, which is an Informa event. It's a big one in the industry. You and I have both spoken there and have attended for many, many years. Um, and I'll be speaking there again next week. And, you know, they attract thousands of people. It's historically a telecom uh, show, and it, and it remains very heavily telecom-focused. But they've been trying for the last, I'd say, how long I've been going to this show, five, six years maybe in a row. And they've been really focusing on convergence and cloud computing and getting the IT, I mean, the telecom world and their channel, their agent channel, merged more with the traditional channel that's selling IT services and products and solutions. Uh, and it's been, I think, a difficult merge, um, although I got to give you know the, the powers that be their credit for really pushing, trying to push an aggressive agenda there. But you know, as I noted, looking over the agenda today for next week, and I know you have as well, we're still still pretty steeped uh, in the telecom side of things. So uh, you know, what does that say to me? You know, it's I think it's a difficult transformation, and we push you know transformation for all of our channel folks out there. Say they need to be transforming their business into something new. They need to get into this area or that area, and at the end of the day, I think that they're trying, and I think it's important to always be evolving, but. It's also important to recognize that your existing base may, for the foreseeable future, be where your your, your profits lie and your revenue lies, and, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I think that with the, the merge of IT and telecom that Channel Partners has been going through, there's also been this other dynamic within just IT of new stuff and, and new trends coming up against a lot of legacy architecture. And there's this strong feeling, I think, by the people that are running events and the people that are coming to events that something has changed and they're trying to figure out what it is. And I think that Channel Partners in particular has both of those things coming together, the IT telecom merge, as well as dealing with what's going on in IT. And I think looking at the agenda, you can see some of that struggle. Like I see a lot of sessions on IoT, and and they seem to mostly be about, you know, what does IoT mean for all of us going forward? And that's because that's the new buzzword, and and there's this this feeling like we have to keep up with the buzzwords and and keep on top of that. But if you look through the bulk of the agenda, it's a lot of blocking and tackling around either running a business or doing some traditional IT or telecom stuff, and that's to your point that a lot of the the base of clients out there or a lot of the base of companies that are performing IT or or, or have some part of IT in their business are, are still doing a lot of these day-to-day regular things and they are being transformed but they're they're headed towards somewhere that uh, that a lot of companies aren't quite at yet 
And so as they're moving through this transformation, as they're trying to figure out what the new normal is going to look like, they still have to deal with a lot of these day-to-day things. Uh, And that's the balance that I feel like I'm seeing at a lot of events, trying to figure out how much do we talk about what's coming down the pipe versus how much do we help people with what they have today because a lot of the today issues haven't been completely solved, whether it's on the IT side or whether it's even on the channel business side, like transforming into an MSP, which is something that's been discussed for quite a long time now. Right. You know, that's one of the big pushes in the when we talk about convergence between this telecom channel and the IT channel is a shift into the MSP space for many of these telecom agents. And there is a natural fit there because the business model for agents is already an annuity model. It's re- recurring revenue. You know, they sell, you know, they were selling, you know, phone services and doing so on a monthly recurring basis where they would get a fee. And it's very similar to the way that MSP would set up shop. So the business part of it isn't the difficulty in making a transformation for these agents necessarily, but it is the technical aspects of it, as many of these telecom agents are not at all schooled in a lot of the technology that IT services folks are selling in the channel. And so there's definitely a gap there to be considered. And the other thing is, you know, to speak to the point of, you know, how much do we talk about the future and all the emerging technology and opportunity versus how much focus should we keep on the present and what we're selling today and where our customers sit today. And you have to remember that so many of these channel firms are very small. And you and I have spoken about that, you know, a a lot. I mean, the bulk of the channel, 90% or more are very small companies. And And when I say small, they're, you know, 10 employees or fewer. And so for them, making a huge transformation shift is almost impossible to do overnight. Uh, and, and their current customer base hasn't evolved either. And so those customers that they've worked with for years as a small business environment are happy in many regards with the services that they are getting from, from these channel firms. So the incentive to change rapidly may not be there. So you're right. It's a balance for, for these event organizers that are trying to figure out what kind of an agenda to put together. It's difficult, I think, to toe the line between how much are we going to push about IoT and big shiny objects versus helping people solidify what they're doing today and make sure that those engines keep running. And not only are these channel firms small, but the the smaller channel firms are, in the vast majority of cases, going to be serving smaller clients. And and I think there's a dynamic here that we've maybe sometimes misstated when we say that uh, a third party is acting as the IT department for their client. Uh, I, I think that when we say that, we mean that that third party is doing all of the IT things that that client might need. But I think it would be helpful to think about what is an IT department doing for its company today? And they're not just running the infrastructure. They're not just monitoring things. So even a firm that's become an MSP and is doing that ongoing monitoring isn't fully doing the job of an IT department within a company where that IT department should be doing all of that stuff, but also driving the company forward with technology. And this came up a little bit at our event a couple of weeks ago, AMM, talking about that if, if you are dealing with clients and you're trying to respond to their needs and you can see something coming down the road, you will probably have to pull your clients to that spot because they're not going to see it. They're not going to be asking for it, and then it turns into something that you can respond to. You, you have to start proactively driving. And, and I think that that mindset is, is a shift that a lot of companies are going to have to make if we're talking about how does IT get done today, 
and how does that need to apply to any kind of firm of any size in any industry? No, I agree. I mean, the hallmark of a high value MSP today is one who does act proactively like that. So it's not just keeping the engines running for their clients on a routine network type basis, but they're looking out ahead and predicting what those customers' needs are going to be based on whether that customer is growing, based on whether the customer's um, equipment and infrastructure is aging or whatever the needs may be. But being able to get out in front of that and then sit down with those customers and exactly like you said, point them in the right direction or open their eyes to the things that they're going to need in the future. And that form of consulting, um, whether you're doing it with, an, with a small customer that doesn't have an IT department at all or you're working with an internal IT department, that's a value add that the channel can bring to the table. And I think, you know, within these events, we do see sessions that try to address that. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, I know we've got a little bit of a foot in the old world and a foot in the new world, but I think that's exactly where this industry is going to be for a while. Yeah. It'll be interesting to hear uh, what you have to say about it after you've been there to hear what people are talking about and how much progress we're making towards, towards something new. Yeah, I'll miss you there this year. You're not coming. Yeah, I won't make it this year. Didn't, didn't quite find a, a spot for me to, to come and share my wisdom, but uh, we'll, we'll catch you on, on another one of these somewhere down the road. Oh, yeah, for sure. So you had sent me a couple of links this week. Yeah, while, bothering you while, while I was vacation. gone. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I, I took so much time to just really crawl through them and understand what you sent me, but... I, you know, I think that those links actually kind of touched on what we've just been describing here, that, that we've got this huge transformation taking place that everyone is really trying to wrap their arms around. And the first article was on um, uh, Uber and Lyft and the fact that some states are starting to put in more background checks and a lot of the drivers that have previously been driving for these services uh, are not passing the background checks anymore. And then the second article was on uh, online harassment and how that's just become such an epidemic uh, through a lot of social networks and just generally online. And the question being, you know, what are technology companies going to do about it? Reading both of those, the common thread in them was this problem of, of tech moving so very fast and, and becoming so powerful and be, being able to scale so broadly and then all of a sudden, you know, what, where are the guidelines? Uh, you know, what, where are the, the safety barriers that, that kind of keep us uh, in the box here? I'm interested to see exactly how those develop or, or to see uh, if, if in some cases maybe we, we've entered into a space that, that isn't completely sustainable, right? So like with the, with the Uber and Lyft example, uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to the rates that they are able to set and the fact that they are quite a bit lower than what you can get out of a standard taxi service in, in most cities. And maybe the reason for that is all of these regulations and pieces that the taxi industry has in place. Uh, and once you start adding those pieces, then your 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 fares start going up, um, you know, regardless of the, the interesting model that you have for, for procuring the, the ride. Um, right. So I think that it'll be interesting to see how these things evolve. And if, if society in general is getting more digitized, what are the rules, where do they come from, and how are they enforced? 
Yeah, I think what did you, I think earlier today you were talking about the law of unintended consequences, and I think that's very apropos to both of these particular stories, but to the technology industry in general. You know, the pace of technology is such that oh, it's something that we've always praised. You know, technology moves so quickly; it's such a great industry to be in, et cetera, et cetera. But then you do have all of these potential things that can happen that may not have even been considered at the outset, and then what do you do about them? And it will be interesting to see, you know, will Uber, for instance, will the right, will reg regulations begin to have to rain down on Uber and Lyft, you know, these share rides, um, similar to the taxi industry, and will that level the playing field? Will we, will we see a reversal of uh, this acceleration of people using Uber to be, you know, to the exclusion of the taxi services? But it's interesting, I mean, that Uber story came from my, my uh, neck of the woods, um, the state of Massachusetts, has doing much more stringent background checks, and it was pretty astonishing how many drivers who had uh, would have passed Uber's uh, background check were caught. And I mean, for pretty egregious um, driving offenses and also criminal offenses, uh, and that's a pretty big issue, I think, and can't be overlooked. But you know, who becomes the arbiter of dealing with these unintended consequences? You know, the the second story about online harassment was specifically calling out Silicon Valley, you know, and te technology companies in the Valley. Like, what is their level of responsibility? They've created this amazing environment, the internet and social media and the ability for us to all communicate so easily with one another. Um, but also, as a, as a result of that, we're seeing so much negativity and people being hurt. And so at what point does the thing that you created also become something that you are responsible for when there are negative consequences? That's been a big question for Facebook in particular. I know that through the events of last year, the election and Brexit and, and the rise of fake news and, and misleading information, there was a lot of focus placed on that. And you and I have discussed on, on this podcast. And, and I think that Facebook wants to take the position that they are just a platform. You know, they are the platform and and someone else needs to you know provide the guidelines uh, and that could be a third party but then I think that flies in the face of Mark Zuckerberg's large manifesto that he wrote about wanting to build this online community and wanting it to be safe for everyone and I think that especially at scale if you're starting to create something that, that can only be created with technology uh, and you've got the IP on that then you do have to start thinking more seriously about your responsibilities. And everyone says that the best situation is for an industry to regulate itself, uh, and, and the rewards and the incentives just don't seem to be there yet for, for technology to be doing that. And yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see if that happens a little bit, or if, on the other hand, um, the, the consumers of these services start backing away a little bit more. I know you and I have both backed away from different social networks for some of our own reasons, but for valid reasons, you know, whatever they are, and, and said, you know what, for as much good as this might bring me, it's got this this hassle with it. And as something like online harassment continues to build, I wonder if that snowballs and and these services start seeing a drop in monthly active users or or whatever metric it is that they're tracking. Yeah, I think just like in any other business or industry, the consumer is what is who will really drive significant change, I think. So if there is, you know, a severe drop off in, you know, the number of people that are using Facebook or other social media platforms, you know, then that may be um, the nudge that um, the, the 
companies need the, themselves to try to put in place some more guidelines and some repercussions possible or punishments possible for some of these transgressions and the and the online harassment. But until you know, until the masses throw a big hissy fit, you know, what's the incentive for these corporations to take the responsibility uh, of policing everything that's going on? Mm-hmm. Big big topic, but you know, it's an interesting one. It is. Well, you can uh, you can start to solve it next week. Yeah. <laughs> while you're uh, while you're in Las Vegas, <laughs> well, what better place to try to solve a problem? All the world's like this? all the world's problems. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I will check in with you next week and let you know how things are going. All right, sounds good. And uh, we'll talk in another couple weeks. Uh, we'll both be back from traveling and 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 both be ready for another set of new topics, I suppose. Yeah, we've got some new research coming down the pike. We'll have plenty of things to talk about. So, looking forward to our next episode. All right. Well, safe travels next week. Thanks, Seth. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.